It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. This is a show about opening up the often mysterious world of how doctors think. The goal? To empower the listener to gain access to the best health care possible. Welcome to Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. Our topic today is low energy. How do I talk to my doctor? So low energy is uh, seemingly uh, in every aspect of many people's lives. Uh, and what we want to talk about today is a couple of things. Number one, where, where is it you get your energy from? How is it that you feel energy? What, what about our chemistry and our makeup makes us have energy or not have energy? That's kind of an important place to start. We want to talk today about... Uh, the process that goes on when you go to your doctor and you say that you don't feel good or you don't have good energy or fatigued or something. And uh, sometimes that's not always obvious from what they tell you what they're thinking about when you tell them about energy problems. So I want to really talk about that uh, because sometimes there's uh, ways, uh, better ways to discuss these problems with your doctor that uh, can help uh, you know, focus them in on what's going on. So we want to talk about that. Then uh, we want to talk about some of the more common and then some of the less common things that uh, your doctor might want to look for when you have low energy and what order we normally go through in that process. And then uh, finally today, what we want to talk about is the uh, some examples from our patient cases uh, of different uh, types of energy issues that people will have and different types of treatments they've done and uh, what's worked and what's not worked and, and even sometimes some things you can just do at home, which is uh, even better. So getting into this topic uh, here on medicine and health, uh, I am Dr. Paul Anderson and I am coming to you from Anderson Medical Specialty Associates in Seattle, Washington, where we have an integrated medical clinic. And our uh, nine doctors who work here are focused on two areas of chronic illness. One is uh, the topic that we had uh, actually for uh, last week 
which is uh, cancer, and cancer is uh, is a chronic illness that is at a very high level, etc. So we talked a lot of all about that last week. The other is uh, chronic illnesses that are not cancer, and that seems like an awfully large uh, topic. But what those break down to are things such as autoimmune diseases, uh, things that you may have heard, like we've had shows about lupus and rheumatoid arthritis and multiple sclerosis, etc. Sometimes there's chronic illnesses because of uh, chronic allergic phenomenon or other immune phenomenon like uh, celiac disease and things of that nature. And then a lot of times, one of the most common reasons someone will come in uh, without a diagnosis will be literally just, I don't feel well or I'm fatigued. And that's very important because fatigue can be uh, a sign of many, many different things. But I will say that from the part of uh, the half of our clinic uh, and with all nine of us doctors working with these patients, that one of the most common reasons in the chronically ill uh, to come to the doctor is just that they're not feeling the energy that they used to feel. So what I want to do before uh, our first uh, uh, section is over is kind of talk through, um, okay, what is fatigue? How common is it? And what really creates it? So first off, fatigue as a complaint. So you go to your doctor and you say, I have, and then you fill in the blank. That's your complaint. Sometimes people will have a whole bunch of complaints. Um, and generally speaking, fatigue is going to be one of the most common reasons that people will go in and see a doctor, which is important because that also tells you behind the scenes what your doctor's thinking about. And part of what might be in your doctor's mind is, oh, man, you know, this is the fifth person this morning who's told me that they have fatigue. Uh, it must be going around. It's really, really common. So being uh, very common, it's probably good if we think about what is it uh, that makes your energy that you do feel and what is it that goes together inside your body to make you feel you have or you don't have energy. So there's a whole bunch of things. You know, energy sounds like a very... Um, you know, ethereal sort of topic and uh, maybe, you know, not too concrete and all of that. <clears throat> and there certainly can be things that uh, are things that we don't know about through science or whatever that could relate to energy. But if we if we even just stick to biological reasons for having energy, you can kind of start to see the, the kind of things that your doctor is going to be thinking in the back of their head when you say you have fatigue. So some of the things that make your energy are actually the way that each of your cells are working. So you have trillions and trillions and trillions of cells in your body. And to break it down uh, to the most uh, core part of the cell, you have uh, two, you can think of them as uh, determinants or engines in the cell. One is called the mitochondria, and the mitochondria are there to make and literally make energy so the cell can work. So that's realistically an engine. It's an electrochemical engine in the cell. We'll talk about that. The other is the nucleus of the cell, which is where the uh, where the DNA uh, lives most of the time and uh, where parts of uh, transcription and copying of the DNA go on. And then the uh, thing that we call cytokinesis or just making new cells goes on. Well, the reason that that part of the cell becomes important in energy problems is because 
if you don't have appropriate cell maintenance, which is part of what your DNA is supposed to be doing, you don't have appropriate cell function, which is part of what your DNA is supposed to be doing, and then at the end of that cell's life, you don't have appropriate daughter cell propagation or just replacement of the old cell, you can imagine you're going to be working with older and older and older equipment and uh, being the cells getting older, and they're not going to work as well. So it's kind of like if you uh, have, you know, a a business computer and you run uh, software on your business computer that's, you know, very technical, you know how you get updates all the time. Well, the cell turnover and maintenance is really kind of like an update on your computer. So if you're working, uh, you know, with a 25-year-old computer right now, it's going to be running very, very slowly unless all you're running is 25-year-old software. Well, it's kind of the same with your body. The cell's not turning over and maintaining appropriately. It's just not going to feel very good. But let's go back to the other engine, the mitochondria. What in the world do they do? And, and, and we, we understand they make energy, but how does that make me feel energy? And, and really when you say you have fatigue to your doctor, what you're saying is, I feel a change in the energy level that I normally have. That's very important. So the mitochondria make energy by taking in nutrients that you have eaten and converting the energy from those nutrients into, uh, a, uh, electron transport chain which basically is like a wire it's like electricity or energy in your cell and at the end of that chain there is a little uh, mechanism that makes uh, ATP which is a molecule that the cell can use to create more energy so it's literally once I use the ATP up because I do that constantly you're all doing it right now I have to recycle it and regenerate it or my energy level drops So if this little mitochondrial uh, electron transport system is not working appropriately, I'm not going to regenerate energy fast enough, and I'm going to feel less energetic. Now, if you take that and it's just one cell, okay, the one cell is taking care of itself. It's getting energy for itself. But if you consider that this is going on in all the trillions of your cells, then with the sum total of all of the energy produced inside of your cells is what you feel as energy. That includes your brain, of course, because that has a lot to do with the way you feel, but it also includes your muscles and your heart and your lungs and your liver and you know all the other organs because they're all doing a lot of this metabolism. They're making, they're trying to make a lot of energy. So what we feel turns out to be the sum total of how all of the things are working on the inside of the system. Now, when you go into your doctor and uh, you say, okay, doc, I haven't seen you in a year. I haven't seen you in five years or whatever. I'm just generally not feeling myself. I don't feel like I used to feel. They're probably going to ask you to expand on that. And then you tell them, well, I'm, you know, I'm just tired. I sleep, I do okay, but I'm just tired or I'm tired and I'm not sleeping or any of the, any of the above. Well, then what your uh, doctor needs to do first is to run through a couple of things based on what you're telling them, but also based on the way that uh, you present to them, etc. And those are, the first thing is, is, they're a bad reason for the fatigue. 
<clears throat> now, fatigue is never good. I mean, people never like fatigue, but there's a lot of times where fatigue is one of those things that, yeah, okay, it's it's not so bad and it's not caused by anything, you know, really horrible, etc. But what bad things could cause me or you to not feel quite so well? Well, in the case of fatigue and low energy, it could be something else that is hijacking the energy system. And the worst thing that you uh, can, need to screen for and look for is actually uh, a, a cancer a person doesn't know about presenting as fatigue. Now, so that's kind of at the top of the heap of the bad things would be cancer. There's also things such as autoimmune diseases. You know, we mentioned people with, say, lupus or multiple sclerosis that might present with fatigue. And then you go down the list of other things that are not so wonderful, and that might be uh, things such as uh, an infection we don't know we have or a chronic infectious problem. We've talked a lot about those on previous shows. Uh, so that might be something they need to think about and look at. Uh, then you could have a whole host of other things that can create a feeling of fatigue in the human. So when you say fatigue to your doctor, the first thing that they're going to do is to go through a lot of investigation with your history and your and maybe some labs you've had, maybe not. Um, but basically your signs and symptoms, what are you telling them uh, that you feel that's wrong, uh, that's a symptom, and what physically is not working correctly in your body on physical examination, and, that, and that's a sign. So signs and symptoms are very important. So uh, that then will lead the doctor to a, uh, a thought pattern of what do I need to check for beyond the physical exam and the history. So when you're thinking about uh, going in and you see your doctor and they, you talk to them about fatigue, normally there is historical information to elicit this idea of symptoms. So tell me about the fatigue. Is it new or is it old? Is it getting worse every day or is it just the same? Is it better in the morning and worse at night or vice versa? Is it this, that, and the other thing? Those are characteristics of the fatigue that are very, very important. And then there's going to be uh, a uh, physical examination which will look for, is there anything obviously wrong that may lead me to want to do some testing or, or some treatment. And so that would be things like, you know, have you gone from having a normal sounding heart to maybe developing uh, a sound of a murmur or a rhythm problem or something that could affect that? Uh, have you gone from having pretty good muscle mass to losing muscle mass? Have you lost weight? Uh, all of those things will want to come up in the physical examination portion as well. And so when you put those things together, then what your doctor is thinking through is, okay, fatigue. Fatigue can be very bad things like cancer, autoimmunity, etc. It can also be things... It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 
91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's like chronic infections or maybe acute infections. It can be due to a whole host of other things that have to do with energy in the body. So as the doctor, your first job is to say, uh, we got to figure out if it's any of these real bad things. Now, that's not one uh, thing that's done to sort out uh, fatigue, but it's a number of things. So when you're thinking of ruling in or ruling out something, uh, sometimes you can't fully do that, but you can lessen or increase your suspicion of the problem. So in the case of, say, you know, concern about autoimmunity or cancer, there may or may not be physical signs present, but certainly if somebody has something going on like their lymph nodes are swollen, then we need to find out why are the lymph nodes swollen. Most of the time it's an immunologic, like an infectious thing, but sometimes that could be cancer. Or you look at your patient's chart and you see that a year ago they weighed 175 pounds and today they weigh 150 pounds. Um, and then you have to, it's kind of like the lymph node thing. Can you explain that weight loss? Well, sure, I've changed my diet, I've been exercising or whatever. Well, that, that makes sense. Then you've lost some weight. If you come in into your doctor and you say, no, I lost all that weight and I've not changed anything, they're going to be much more concerned like we talked about last week's show. So it's all in context. Then the next level of investigation really is going to be what happens with uh, you and your doctor after they get done with the questioning of the history and the physical exam and all that. They're going to have a, a group of things that they're probably going to want to investigate that are common causes of fatigue. So let's say that the suspicion is very low for something like cancer or something like an autoimmune disease, but the suspicion in your doctor's mind is very high for something like, uh, say, anemia or a thyroid problem or something like that um, or some other thing. They're generally going to do some basic testing in order to sort out, is there something obvious creating this problem? And generally speaking, if there's no major signs of something that you might need, say, an imaging test, you know, an MRI or a CT scan or something for, or a specialized blood test, like maybe a screening test for cancer or something like that, what they're going to look at are the more frequent and common causes of fatigue in these lab tests. So... As we go into talking about these things, uh, we want to talk in, 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 uh, bigger terms about the signs and symptoms and then lab tests that are usually assessed most commonly. So the first thing in your history that your doctor is going to want to run through is, uh, a number of things about just how your life is working or not working. The first thing would be uh, medications. Are you on medications? Uh, uh, what are they? How much are you taking, etc.? And we've seen a lot of patients that say, you know, they, they won't put the pieces together, uh, but they'll come in and they'll say, yeah, no, I've been so fatigued for the last two or three months, and I don't know, you know, it's I, I, I've not changed anything. I'm sleeping good and all that, but I just feel horrible. And you look through their history and you say, well, I see that you added a medication here. When did you add that? And lo and behold, it's two or three, four months ago. And you can look and, and you can see that, you know, many medications, not all of them, but many medications have fatigue as a side effect. 
Sometimes the fatigue is short-lived and sometimes it sticks with you. So then uh, the uh, screening tests are usually still done to make sure there's not you know some other thing going on. But commonly, if there's a way to, say, switch the type of medication or do something different, the fatigue might uh, indeed go away, and it's medication-caused fatigue. The next thing, which seems so obvious that you would, you know, wonder that anyone would ever even question it is a sleep and sleep quality. Well, obviously, if you're not sleeping, you're not going to feel very good. You're not going to have a lot of energy because when we sleep, uh, our brain and our nervous system goes through a recharge cycle and uh, it actually sort of discharges from the day and resets the uh, expectations for the next day and the energy level. And so that's really important. And if I don't sleep, that doesn't happen very well. Also, my immune system uh, resets at night. My liver goes through a lot of work at night. Lots of good stuff needs to go on when you're sleeping. So you could imagine if you're not sleeping well, well, that's not going to work very good. So sleep is a huge question. Medications you're on, sleep quality sleep uh, amount, etc. Then there's going to be big things like, you know, diet. Have you changed your diet? Is there something missing? Are you not eating, uh, you know, macronutrients or micronutrients, etc.? Another one that can create a lot of fatigue is pain. Have you gone from not having a lot of pain to being in a lot of pain? Well, if you've gone from not having a lot of pain to being in a lot of pain, then we got to figure out why you're in pain. And maybe you know, maybe you, your arthritis has gotten worse or something. But what we see is, is that pain is a big drain on the system. And so if you're in chronic pain, you're not going to have the energy that you used to have. And then there's many, many other things that are going to be checked into, such as are there other systems in the body not working? Have you gone from having pretty good digestion to now you're constipated all the time or now uh, you're having a lot of pain when you eat or things of that nature? Or, um, you know, you used to do fine with a workout and now you work out and it takes you three days to get over it. Those are things that tell your doctor uh, in part, where maybe we should look in addition to just sort of the regular screening sorts of tests. So we're going to head into a break in just a moment. and we come back, we want to talk about, well, if we've got these signs and symptoms going, what kind of testing would help your doctor sort out uh, how to narrow down the cause of the fatigue? So we will be right back. Anderson Medical Specialty Associates is the clinic that Dr. Anderson founded to provide high-quality, integrative medical care to those with cancer and chronic illnesses. In over 20 years of work with this patient population and research into the best practices for treatment, this clinic provides the highest level of care. Their focuses include all types of cancer, autoimmune diseases such as multiple sclerosis and lupus, as well as chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, and chronic infections such as Lyme and Lyme-like illness. Their only goal is to help each person find the best path to health for their individual needs. Located in Seattle, Washington, visit the clinic website, the number one. Dot com or call the clinic at 206-629-2186. 
And we're back with Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. I am Dr. Paul Anderson coming to you from Anderson Medical Specialty Associates in Seattle, Washington. And today we're talking about fatigue, fatigue and why it happens, but also how can we do the best job we can to guide our doctor towards helping us with a diagnosis and checking the right things, etc. And so we were talking before the break about how common fatigue is as a presentation. We talked about how uh, fatigue can be either due to kind of common things or it can be due to fairly bad diagnoses or da uh, dangerous diagnoses. It can be all over uh, the map, basically. And so when we think about that, then the next thing to consider is we go through this process with our doctor, which we give our doctor this symptom uh, or presentation of fatigue. Doctor's going to ask a whole bunch of questions. So some of the questions are those uh, signs and symptoms things we were speaking about. Is it new fatigue or is it old? Is it getting worse or is it the same? Does it have any relationship to something that's changed in your life? And we talked before the break about medications, really common thing there. Um, or is it got a relationship to a, you know, you've stopped exercising or started exercising? Uh, does it have a relationship to sleep quality? Uh, you know, maybe uh, specific dietary things, you know, you were taking supplements and now you're not or you changed them or something of that nature. And then we uh, mentioned how it can be other uh, body systems, you know, maybe taking energy away, such as chronic pain. Do we know why you're having the pain, et cetera? Uh, that takes a lot of energy away. Changes in digestive function or changes in other things. Uh, are you having signs of depression, et cetera? So when you work your way through the presentation of fatigue, and we talked about that energy comes from the cells working appropriately, and how uh, the inside of the cell has not only the nucleus that helps the cell turn over and repair, but it also has the mitochondria, which are there to make literal energy, uh, electrochemical energy. So then we need to think, well, what in the world could be wrong that uh, we could test on a lab test that might be uh, at issue? Normally, if you don't have signs of an infection, for instance, or some other you know thing that appears uh, to be at issue, your doctor is going to look at the big things. We kind of term these the big areas of uh, screening for disease in fatigue. And so there are going to be some screening tests for anemia. And you think about, well, why would anemia make me tired? If you think about it, not only are the red blood cells, uh, which we look at under conditions of normal red cell or anemia, not only are they carrying oxygen, which really helps to keep you awake and working and everything, but oxygen also runs all of that electron transport and energy system in the cell. But the other really important thing that we often forget about is that the amount of iron that uh, would be related to anemia, so low iron is, is one kind of anemia, the amount of iron that we have in those little mitochondrial portions of the cell are, is going to tell us how much electrochemical energy we can make in the body. And I was telling you how the mitochondria will take in stuff you have eaten, food uh, nutrients, and it will convert those with the help of oxygen into an electrical charge, and then that can create a recycling of the energy molecule ATP. 
So we take oxygen in, we so you're breathing and all of that, and you take in nutrients. That gets converted then down to uh, this ATP molecule, which makes energy for your cell, and then the cell energy makes energy for your body. So anemia is a huge cause of low energy, and that's basically because you're losing the electrochemical uh, basis and the oxygen basis for creating energy. So we want to screen for anemia. That's usually done through a blood count. Uh, and then there's uh, a couple of other tests that can be done, which are not uncommonly done, an iron binding capacity test and a ferritin test. And ferritin is the stored form of energy in your body uh, in the form of iron. So ferritin is related to uh, iron storage. And there can be reasons that ferritin will be high or low that aren't due to energy, but it's a good marker in general. Other things that your doctor may want to look at is how's your blood sugar control? If you have either very high blood sugar or blood sugar that goes up and down, like in uh, hypoglycemia or dysglycemia, or you have an insulin issue, um, that can create a lot of fatigue. So your doctor is going to want to do some tests, maybe a fasting blood sugar test, and there's a test called a, an A1C, which looks at long-term blood sugar control. And uh, I've literally seen people come in and they, you know, they had fatigue that had been progressive over the last six or nine months and it's just getting the best of them. You check and they, they haven't been to a doctor in years and, and you do this and, you know, they don't have anemia, but they certainly have developed a diabetes. Diabetes can really create that or these other blood sugar issues. So blood sugar control, very important to check. Also, the thyroid, we've talked about this on other shows, the thyroid's job is to run those two parts of the cell we talked about in the first section that make energy. And remember that the nucleus is there to repair the cell, to help the cell do its job, and when it's time to replace the cell, the nucleus sends its marching orders downstream so that the new cells that are made from the old cell are appropriate. So if the nuclear activity is not working well, the cell doesn't function well and it doesn't maintain. And then the other part on the inside is the mitochondria, which does all this energy creation business. So remember with thyroid, the thyroid feeds those two systems. It feeds the nuclear activity and all that the nucleus does, and it feeds the mitochondrial activity and all that the mitochondria do. And that's very, very important as well. So if your thyroid is not working correctly, uh, you will have energy shifts. Now, certainly not a fatigue state, but in high thyroid or hyperthyroidism like Graves' disease, people will have excessive energy and they'll be losing weight and they have all this metabolism, but it's not good metabolism because the thyroid is working too quickly. Well, you could imagine then if your thyroid is working very slowly, what's going to happen? Your thyroid is going to slow down and slow down and the energy creation in your body is going to slow down and slow down and slow down. And that's uh, not going to work out very well either. So when we're thinking about this, uh, we want to think about checking the thyroid. Now, we've done whole shows on the thyroid, but just to kind of reset and get back to that, um, what you want to remember is there's different levels of thyroid problem. So you can see that the thyroid's very involved in the world of making energy and helping the cell to maintain itself. But <clears throat> the thyroid can go bad in a few different ways. So 
when we're thinking of thyroid testing, and you can go back and listen to the MP3s of the other thyroid shows, but remember there's the screening test, which is the TSH, and that's usually included in all these low-energy workups. There's also just are you making and putting out any thyroid hormone, which is a whole other thing that can be tested. And then some of the other things that we've uh, talked about on other shows that need to be tested in fatigue cases sometimes are thyroid resistance, which is through the reverse T3 test, and then autoimmune thyroiditis, which would be like a Hashimoto's disease, and that's where you get antibodies against your thyroid. So all of those things can act like low thyroid, but for different reasons. So another concept you want to consider is if you've been to your doctor already and they did the history and the physical exam and then they did the lab tests and they said, no, there's nothing in your lab tests that tells us why you have fatigue, you might want to check and see how many lab tests were done and what was accomplished. Because many times what we see when patients come in and they say, oh, I saw my doctor and I still have fatigue and they didn't tell me to do anything. The biggest thing that we see uh, repeatedly is that there were screening tests done and then no follow-up tests. And so you think, well, why in the world would that happen? Why would a doctor do screening tests and no follow-up tests if they didn't get the answers they were looking for? Well, if you think about the purpose and the statistics behind a screening test, the purpose is to screen out the most common reasons for your problem. So if your problem's fatigue, and I do screening tests that include a blood count looking for anemia and blood sugar tests and thyroid and a chemistry panel looking at your organs and things, if I do those screening tests, I'm going to catch the biggest and baddest reasons for fatigue in most cases. And if you pair the blood tests or the lab tests with the physical exam and the history, we're going to be able to catch many of the people for the most common uh, causes of fatigue. Now, if you don't get answers from that, then there's a couple of options. One is you can go back and ask more questions, uh, and you can, you know, dive deeper into it and make sure there's not something that's not going to show up on a blood test like a sleep disorder or something of that nature. Make sure you double check that, you know, what medications are being given or not given, all of those things. But then the other thing about screening lab tests is that they, they all have follow-up tests. And so that means if your TSH looks okay, it's in the normal range, but you really seem like you have some thyroid problems, low metabolism, etc., then we're going to do the follow-up tests, which are going to be looking for thyroid resistance and thyroid antibodies and all of those things we talked about before. So we want to remember that in in about, I would say at least, you know, half of the patients that we wind up seeing here who have fatigue, they've already been in and they've had screening tests done and the screening tests were unrewarding or unremarkable. And what they're coming for is just another opinion to say, is there some other reason? Is there something else we could have checked? And so then that becomes the next thing you have to look for. So let's say that we've looked at anemia and it's not anemia. Uh, blood sugar looks good. The thyroid looks good. Uh, the, you know, the blood count and the chemistries are really pretty good. And we look deeper at the thyroid and we look deeper at the iron levels and they all look pretty good. And then we might add on things like vitamin D and, and magnesium and other mineral statuses. And, and we check there and it's, well, maybe, maybe not. 
What are some other levels beyond the secondary screening that we might want to look at? Well, the thyroid, as we've talked about, is is all about energy and uh, mitochondrial activity, which relates to energy. DNA activity relates to cell maintenance and turnover. But remember from other shows that the thyroid has uh, a companion set of gland activities through the adrenal glands. The adrenal glands are there to give you your circadian rhythm. So this, a lot of the circadian hormones come from the adrenal glands. When your brain wakes up in the morning, for instance, it's usually because the adrenal glands have been producing their uh, hormone products overnight and they, they peak in the morning. The adrenal glands also help us with uh, keeping out uh, infections and regulating immune activity through immune manipulation. The adrenal glands help us with uh, you know, regulating some of our electrolytes in the blood. So the adrenal glands are really important. Well, one of the reasons that we talked about on the other shows they don't get tested a lot is <clears throat> aside from adrenal cancers, there's really only a few diseases that are in the adrenal end of the uh, hormonal system. And so your doctor will say, well, you don't really fit the profile of uh, very high adrenal output like Cushing's disease or very low adrenal output like Addison's disease, both of which can be life-threatening. So, in, and because there's just these diseases and they're very infrequent as compared to thyroid problems, often what winds up happening then is that the uh, the the doctor won't refer for any adrenal testing. Well, sometimes the adrenal glands can be not diseased, but just not functionally correct. And so in the world of secondary testing or post-secondary testing, we'll often look at adrenal output as a screening marker. We might look at uh, cortisol, which is a primary hormone output from the adrenal glands or, or other things. And the reason is, is that you could have a little bit of an adrenal problem and then you could have a little bit of a thyroid problem and you put them together and on the labs they don't look so bad but in your body they feel very bad so sometimes that's part of the assessment is it a little problem with more than one thing the next thing that really can be delved into a little bit more specifically than is usually done uh, in cases like this where you have uh, you know, fatigue and the labs are looking pretty good, is nutrient status. So beyond your blood sugar, there can be other things about your dietary intake that can make you tired. Uh, one of the things we see very commonly is uh, instead of like, a say, a diabetic situation or something like that, people sometimes will get uh, foods and nutrient intake that makes them have better energy or worse energy. And we've talked to people over time where we do food uh, testing, we do food allergy or sensitivity testing, and there'll be a food they eat all the time that just really uh, is, is creating inflammation and, and a bad function in the body. And so we've had people literally where everything else tests out good, they remove the foods that seem to be a problem, and they actually feel better. Now, why would that be? Part of that is because when we're eating things that our body doesn't like, we wind up having release of chemistry that can be very uh, energy stealing. So that's a, that's a big possibility. The other thing that we've seen with people is some people uh, have what's called a reactive uh, insulin 
uh, system or insulin uh, sensitivity issues, etc. And so if they eat foods that, that trigger a lot of insulin release, they'll feel very tired. Uh, and we've had with people where if, if they modified their diet in a way to not have all that insulin release, it really wound up helping with a lot of their energy issues. Then there's other things that we'll look for, such as magnesium levels. Uh, red blood cell magnesium is a really good test for looking at uh, magnesium levels inside the uh, person. And the thing with the magnesium levels is uh, there are correlations between magnesium and cell function. And so if the magnesium isn't there, it's kind of like thyroid's not there. It's just you don't have the full complement of everything that re is required to uh, make your system work better. And then there's uh, an area of uh, that's very difficult to test, but but functionally becomes hugely important. We've talked a lot about it, and that is literally the function of these little mitochondria that live inside your cells that make the energy. Mitochondrial function and mitochondrial dysfunction is at the beginning of many, many, many diseases, and fatigue is a sign of many of those dysfunctions. Now. There are starting to be certain types of testing that can look at mitochondrial function or dysfunction, and those are uh, becoming available, but they're not really too common. So there's no screening test for mitochondrial function or dysfunction. But what we see and what you want to think about is there's often a number of things, if everything else checks out pretty good, so your thyroid and adrenals are, you know, you got those supported, your diet's working pretty good, you're getting good sleep, uh, you don't have sleep apnea, you know, all of those things. Everything else is checked out where you can presumptively treat or assume that the mitochondria needs some help. So why would mitochondria get beat up? Well, people who have been uh, sick for a long time or had bad infections, the mitochondria get beat down. So, you know, that's part of the history is did you just recover from you know, an Epstein-Barr infection or just recover from the flu. Well, part of your residual energy problem is your mitochondria are running really slow because of the sickness. Or um, like <clears throat> we talked about last week, maybe you had treatment for cancer or precancerous problems, took a lot out of you. Well, part of what it takes out of you is the function of the mitochondria. So there's very specific uh, nutrient uh, protocols. That can be done to uh, help uh, shore up and uh, and recharge the mitochondria. Now, sadly, it's not an overnight uh, success in, in the mitochondrial world. And so you have to remember that if it's gotten to the point where the mitochondria aren't working, then you have to build uh, the case up slowly and steadily. You have to get enough iron in the system. You have to have enough of the thyroid and adrenal hormones. You have to have enough good nutrients. And then you do repair things and it settles everything down. So mitochondrial function is really a big, big thing, and it's something every doctor knows about, but because there's not a lot of tests uh, to pin it down, it's it's one of those things you have to keep in kind of the front of your mind when everything's looking good on the labs, uh, but the person still has fatigue. So we're going to head into a break right now, and when we come back, I want to take some examples uh, from some cases in our uh, in our clinic files uh, and just give some examples of the way that these uh, fatigue cases play out in uh, the standard or average sort of sense of the patients that we see. So we'll be right back and when we come back we'll talk through some cases. 
Anderson Medical Specialty Associates is the clinic that Dr. Anderson founded to provide high-quality, integrative medical care to those with cancer and chronic illnesses. In over 20 years of work with this patient population and research into the best practices for treatment, this clinic provides the highest level of care. Their focuses include all types of cancer, autoimmune diseases such as multiple sclerosis and lupus, as well as chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, and chronic infections such as Lyme and Lyme-like illness. Their only goal is to help each person find the best path to health for their individual needs. Located in Seattle, Washington, visit the clinic website, www.amsa1.com or call the clinic at 206-629-2186. And we're back with Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. Today we're talking about the ubiquitous uh, complaint of fatigue in humans and what ways your doctor thinks about it, what ways they can help you with testing and treatment, etc. But also we're talking about the, the, the variety of ways people can be made to feel fatigue and how when you're not getting the answers that you want about your health problems, it can be very good. Uh, to take second and third and fourth looks at things. So we've talked about screening tests and the usefulness but limits of screening tests. We've talked about how energy comes from each cell's energy combined in your body. We've talked about how um, the two parts of your cell will create energy. The nucleus creates maintenance, repair, and replication of the cell. And the mitochondria in the cell uh, create the actual energy. So if those two aren't working, we'll then have some troubles with energy, certainly. Then we talked about the common things that are screened for with uh, energy problems such as blood sugar issues, uh, anemia and iron problems, big nutrient deficiencies, thyroid problems, that kind of thing. And we talked about some of the less common things like adrenal function, global nutrient status, mitochondrial function, etc. And those are all also very important, although a little less commonly tested for. So we decided uh, that what we would do in the last section here is to talk through just a couple of cases and, and give some examples. So the first case uh, is uh, a patient um, who is a very active uh, 26-year-old mother, uh, had two young children, which is fatiguing in and of itself. But uh, this person had been a college athlete, and they had done, you know always operated at a very high level energy-wise, and they had been uh, progressively getting more tired and in pain, etc. And uh, over time, what happened was that they noticed that they were not recovering from exercise, so then they just stopped exercising, and they got more fatigued. And by the time they came in to see us, uh, what had happened is they'd had the screening tests. Screening tests said, well, there's no major problems with blood sugar or iron or you know, TSH on the thyroid looked fine. And so uh, they came in because they still felt horrible. And they were told, well, maybe you're just depressed. So when they came in, uh, physical examination was really pretty good, rel relatively healthy uh, young woman. Uh, the screening labs took a look at. 
And it really sounded like from all of the symptoms that there might be a thyroid problem beyond the, the standard, just plain old low thyroid. And so we looked uh, at uh, doing a couple of extra tests on the thyroid. And remember I said with screening tests, there's almost always follow-up tests. So that's what we did there. And this was, you know, complicated a little bit by the fact that the person didn't have insurance at the time. So everything was, you know, paid for out of pocket with lab tests. We had to really be focused. <clears throat> so we looked at the old tests. They looked fine. Physical exam, not so bad, et cetera. And then we looked at some second phase thyroid tests. And what we saw, <coughs> excuse me, in uh, her was that her body was not converting her thyroid appropriately. And there's, we have a long discussion on this in another show. But suffice it to say that if the body's not converting the thyroid appropriately, then all of this running the mitochondria and making energy and all this, you know, running uh, the nucleus and helping with cell turnover slows down and slows down and slow down. And then that means you slow down. So we did a couple of things with her nutritionally, uh, got her just to eat a little bit differently. We did some stress management work with her. Uh, we checked into her sleep-wake cycles, which were not, that was pretty good actually. And then we did a short-term treatment for her thyroid to help with this thyroid conversion issue that she was apparently having. Over the course of the first three months, uh, her energy improved progressively every week or two. And uh, she began to feel more like her old self. Now, this is probably a combination of everything that had gone on but uh, that we were finally treating. But the thyroid was kind of a core thing. And sometimes what happens with these thyroid issues is if the thyroid gets blocked or slowed down, then um, you got to kind of kickstart it again. After six months, she was doing so well, we tapered her off of the thyroid support treatment, and she remained doing well. And then we left her on basically uh, hygienic sorts of things. She had changed the way she ate. She was doing back to doing more exercise. Uh, she was getting okay sleep. And we were giving her some basic nutrient support uh, just to make sure she had enough micronutrients going in to help out. So she was a really nice case of a. there's just one thing wrong, uh, but it was not letting her work very well. And here's the thing about that. If you take that person, let's say she was just, just tufted out for another 10 or 15 years, that could become somebody who develops chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia or something. Because if you think about it, if you leave a little fatigue problem going for months and months and months, you gain more reasons for the fatigue, and that becomes a great problem. We've also had people come in uh, who had disruption uh, in sleep-wake cycles, and there's a number of different things that go on there. <clears throat> and these disruptions in the sleep-wake cycle sometimes play themselves out as uh, a sleep disorder, like sleep apnea. Uh, and, and those people, uh, it's best to get a sleep study, and the sleep study can tell you how much of the problem is probably coming from your sleep. But there's other things <laughs> which are um, basically circadian rhythm disruptions, and those are really, really problematic. <laughs> now, circadian rhythm disruptions basically mean in the morning your adrenal system is putting out uh, the corticoid family of hormones, and that wake it literally wakes your brain up. 
at night, different part of your endocrine system puts out things like melatonin that, that send your brain into sleep. And then in between night and morning, if you're on a day-night sleeping schedule like most people, you have a cycling of uh, REM and other levels of sleep, but you also have a recharging and discharging of the nervous system. So it's sort of a reset. So if you mess up this uh, circadian thing, even if you don't have sleep apnea, you're going to be tired all the time. And so when you look at this, this is one of the reasons we'll do adrenal testing with people and other other testing, is if you're not getting enough adrenal output in the morning, you'll be alive, but you won't be very awake. Your brain will never really truly wake up. So that becomes an issue. So in uh, patients like that, what we will often do is we'll check the thyroid, we'll check the blood sugar, all the other stuff, and we'll have them get a morning blood draw for a cortisol level, or maybe we'll have them do a specific adrenal output test. But usually we start with a screening of morning cortisol. And in morning cortisol is supposed to be the highest cortisol of the day. So if we see that as being low, then we know that the adrenals are probably just stressed. Now, the nice thing with the adrenals is that they heal up really, really well. So we'll do treatment with the adrenals. That there's multiple levels of adrenal treatment, but whatever is appropriate. And in many cases, if everything else has been worked on, that in itself will help wake the brain and the body up. They're really, really useful. There's other reasons people will come in. Uh, medication reactions we talked about. One of the more common medications prescribed, the beta blocker class of drugs, usually used for uh, heartbeat irregularities or high blood pressure. Uh, they're very commonly prescribed and they very commonly have a side effect of fatigue in patients. There's other types of drugs also. Sometimes people are on sleep medications that might knock them out at night, but they have uh, kind of a hangover effect the next day, and sometimes that can be at issue. And there's other medication issues that come along as well. So you do also need to watch for those. And many times then the job that we run into is if we've ruled everything else out, but it appears to be the medication, can we change the kind of medication to a different kind that will take care of your disease or your problem and might take away some of the fatigue that you're experiencing? If we go from the simple to the very complex, and let, let's say we've ruled everything else out, then we have bigger problems such as chronic fatigue system, fibromyalgia, uh, etc. And these are diseases really of exclusion. So you've excluded cancer, you've excluded you know all of these other things, and they're usually multifactorial. Multifactorial simply means that you've probably had a decrease in your energy-producing system for a long time. Usually you've just put up with it or there's been no real treatment for it, etc. And you have moved forward and moved forward with less and less and less energy. And so what happens is your system is functioning very poorly. So you get not only fatigued, but you have more pain, you have poor recovery from exercise, uh, you have a number of other just dysfunctional things. And so those are much more complicated cases because that requires looking at and treating all of these different reasons for the fatigue that's going on in 
inside the patient. So if a patient does have, say, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, that end of the spectrum, and we've done entire shows on this whole uh, issue, but you might recall from those shows that basically what we have to do is we have to look at every possible reason for their body not functioning well. And in chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, it's usually all of the above. You know, there's a number of categories of things in these chronic problems that include chronic infections, possibly toxicity, other organ systems like digestive dysfunction, et cetera, et cetera. And those are big, big problems for these people. And what you find is if you only treat one problem in a chronically ill person, they're not going to feel better. They get a little bump from the thyroid and then it just basically goes away on them. So today on our program, we've been talking about fatigue. We've talked about all of the reasons why people might get fatigue. We talked about the way that your physician is going to look for screening tests to sort out your fatigue. And is it one of the bad kinds of uh, fatigue as a symptom, so cancer or uh, autoimmune disease or something? Uh, or is it one of the more common things? And then what do you do if the screening tests and everything, they say, well, look, you don't, you don't have cancer, you don't appear to have an infection, you don't appear to have any of these problems, so the fatigue is probably just, you know, something else, and then they send you away. Well, just remember that it is uh, very possible that there are other things that need to be assessed. It is very possible that there's secondary or, or tertiary types of lab or other testing that need to be done. And this is an area where uh, the naturopathic physician uh, really comes in. This is what they're trained to do, and this is the end of medicine they work in. Uh, also, if you're in an area that doesn't have any naturopathic medical doctors, you might be able to locate a, a functional medicine or integrative medicine uh, medical doctor, and they are also trained in this area. Uh, and that's just a different way of looking at medicine that we've talked about a number of times. But when it gets beyond the normal screening, if you're still having trouble, you need to seek out somebody to do the next steps with you. I'm Dr. Paul Anderson. It's been my great pleasure to speak with you today. And every week we're here Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific on Medicine and Health with Dr. Paul Anderson. I will see you all on the radio in one week. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Medicine and Health with your host, Dr. Paul Anderson. Visit the clinic website at www.amsa1.com or call the clinic at 206-629-2186.